Before I get into this episode, I want to tell you about Making Marketing. It's a show where Shireen Patak, our Managing Director of Editorial Products, talks to marketing leaders in the industry who are making big decisions that change trends every day. We've had guests like David Dancer of MedMen, Nick Woodman of GoPro, and IBM's Michelle Peluso. Check it out. We're on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangul and today I'm bringing a session to you from our Digiday Brand Summit that we recently held in Palm Springs, California. In this session, Shireen Patak talks to Jennifer Cavanaugh, who's the Senior Vice President of Media and Marketing at Philadelphia Eagles. Jennifer talks about what it takes to be a sports entertainment brand. Listen in. Tell us what you do at the Philadelphia Eagles. Sure. So I'm the senior vice president of marketing and media. Um, been with the Eagles for six months. And basically what that means is uh, I oversee traditional marketing team. I oversee uh, the folks that buy our media in-house. I oversee the relationship with our agency, but I also oversee a pretty robust content and production team um, that within that sits social and um, motion graphics experts. So it's really kind of end to end from a media perspective. And then in addition to that, um, our game day entertainment team. So cheerleaders, uh, pep line, drum band, mascot, which is completely new for me as somebody who came <laughs> from the, the media world. But yeah. I wanted to, I mean, obviously sort of a brand that lives within cultural moments yeah. almost basically all the time. Um, and you joined six months ago, which I, great timing. Um, tell me a little bit about sort of how, how kind of you've approached your marketing holistically, because I want to get into some real specifics, especially around content with you. But how do you organize kind of how you think about your marketing department and then about your marketing spend mm -hmm. in all of these different channels? Because you're doing a lot of different things. So it's a really good question. And actually, I'll reveal myself on the board, because um, one of my biggest challenges coming in has really been to uh, figure out the kind of fastest, best, most efficient approach to integrating all of those teams that I just mentioned. Um, while they worked together, they weren't necessarily um, as strategically integrated as they could be. So okay. if I were to articulate what my vision is for the Philadelphia Eagles outside of just being an NFL team, it's really to be more of a sports entertainment brand. And you probably heard that before, right? The, the Warriors and a number of other um, professional sports team have articulated that. But what that means is it's much more of a kind of always on approach to mm -hmm. fan engagement. So technically, you know, my job, there's no off season. There shouldn't be an off season mm -hmm. because what we have is an opportunity to create content, to distribute media and to tell stories um, all year long. Because you're also essentially kind of a media company and yes. hence your title. But I think that that's sort of, that's an interesting challenge for somebody who's also a brand marketer. Cause you're, you know, you're obviously telling the story of your brand every day. Um, and then you're also kind of thinking of you as a media channel. Right. How does that, I mean, when you sort of say that these teams need to work sort of more cohesively together and it's an internal challenge and what has happened so far and kind of how do you ex exactly expect that to evolve as kind of the next few months and next year rolls up? Sure. Um, so 
if you think about what the teams have been traditionally tasked with doing, the marketing team's job in many respects is to um, execute on fan growth and fan engagement. And that could be everything from a digital billboard in our local market that everyone sees when they drive over the bridge to uh, the experience that 70,000 people have on game day when they come into the stadium. But the reality is um, that all of those moments are content opportunities that are captured and executed by another team. So strategically, if everyone isn't at the table together saying, you know, first, it actually starts with the insights, right? So we spend a lot of time using multiple streams of data, and this is, you know, obviously what we're all um, viewing, I think, as a fairly complicated issue, um, looking at multiple data streams right. and saying, you know, what do our fans want? And what that means is not only looking at the data, but figuring out the right and most accurate and meaningful way to transition a data point into an insight mm -hmm. and then marry that with conversation, which in many respects um, isn't as uh, black and white as a number or a figure and translate that into a need. Maybe that the fans don't even already know that, that they have. Um, so Can you give me an example of something like this recently that kind of came out of yeah. you know, an insight, but it wasn't, it was relatively surprising. Sure. So I come from media and television. I spent, you know, many years of my career at NBC Universal immersed in reality television, right? So we think in act and uh, market in storylines. And I won't, I can't tell you that when I decided to make the jump into sports, I understood like how similar those worlds were. So when you start to get into all of the conversations, and there are many of them, you know, how our fans feel about us um, is often directly tethered to how we're performing at any given time. Um, you start to mine for storylines. And sometimes there are conversations that will bubble up around a player who may not be our most well known player, but there was a, you know, pivotal moment in a game and we pulled, let's say, you know, a third string wide receiver. Most people didn't even know his name before, you know, he scored a winning touchdown. Now everyone knows his name. And so we see that as an opportunity to, you know, build on a story and start to get people invested mm -hmm. in that player, okay. knowing that that might be an important like entry point ongoing for, you know, our ability to engage with them. And there's sort of three ways we think about how we grow our brand because the reality is there's you know eight to ten depending on the source um, Eagles fans in the United States only three and a half million of them live in Philly mm -hmm. and the NFL tells us that we have about 65 and a half million potential NFL fans across the globe right right so my right to win internationally is now two and a half to three million of those people if you right. divide it by 32 but how do you do that not everyone connects with sports in the same way. Mm -hmm. Some people connect on a very technical level. They understand the sport, they love the sport, um, they like to engage because they you know, are into the X's and O's of it all. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe for someone else, it's a more personal kind of weigh-in or opportunity. Maybe it's a story about uh, a player's life or his background or his family or his take on what it's like to raise toddlers. Mm -hmm. So that's what we call helmets off. You know, there's, there's an inherent challenge in, in the NFL and, and in the NHL as well because they wear helmets. There isn't always an easy connection made between the individual and their face. There's a level mm -hmm. of kind of like personalization that is uh, incumbent upon us to create, which comes from the, what are people reacting to? 
What do we think it actually means? How do we build a story around it? And then how do we think about the distribution of that story? And then yeah. the cycle sort of continues. So from there. let's follow that path. Because then you've mm -hmm. got, okay, so you found an insight. Maybe it was something surprising. Maybe it was about a certain player. So you saw something bubble up. Um, as I see, you sort of, you've got two different things you could be doing. One is obviously then integrate that into an overall kind of strategy and something yep. you can do then. And there's obviously a great kind of real-time marketing mm -hmm. thing or something you could be doing right then and there. Because the other thing about mm -hmm. the industry you're in is people are watching the game right then and there. There's yeah. probably a great moment that you can tap into. Um, how, how do you sort of decide you know, what to do at what point? And then how do you make sure that it actually worked? And then the big question about measurement comes yeah. into play. Like, okay, you could do something funny and everyone's going to retweet it. What was, how does that ladder up to your overall goal? And does it even? Well, so first of all, I'll be fair and acknowledge that we are um, very fortunate in the sense that one, we're an NFL sports team, right? So I have a social footprint of about 8 million people who follow us uh, just across you know, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So mm -hmm. I'm not a startup trying to figure out how to build. The right. engagement is there. The, the thing to unpack is the for better or for worse piece, right? Mm -hmm. So in game, we have a team of people who are you know, watching the game, reading tweets, following um, a couple of different platforms that we use. One of them is more for social listening, the other is more a social video measurement platform to kind of understand what's resonating. But moments, things that you can't predict that mm -hmm. we decide all of a sudden are like a great gift, right? And we're going to all of a sudden turn it into a piece of social currency and put it out there, you know, is, is um, you know, there's, there's sort of two things. One is like your gut. I think this is the moment that fans are going to really appreciate because I talk to them every single day. Mm -hmm. We're on the front lines. Um, and sometimes we're really successful. And then other times, let's say if we've lost a game in the last, in the last 48 hours, they're like, like, stop posting until you win a game, <laughs> like literally, you know. And so uh, you have to figure out how to both capitalize on fun moments that give you kind of that amplification and that connection to the audience, but then you also can't be tone deaf because we <laughs> operate in this environment that um, can change, you know, can fluctuate so much from day to day. And, and, you know, what that means at the end of the day is that numbers aren't always the things that we make decisions around. We have to mm -hmm. overlay maybe four or five additional factors on top of that because if a post was the most popular post of the week, it might not be because people um, were happy with right. us or it was around a narrative that um, they're certainly welcome to have and continue yeah. to have as fans. We welcome that, but it's not something that we're trying to, you know, push yeah. necessarily. What about kind of the big, you know, the branding, the sort of the yeah. big branding campaigns, the big kind of who are the Eagles, that kind of thing. Where do you, how do you sort of decide and how do you expend your energies on that? And then how does that affect that internal kind of team we just talked about? Yeah. So do, is anybody here an Eagles fan? Any Eagles fans do? Okay. A few. Awesome. Um, so uh, how about NFL fans in general? Woo <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> um, Eagles fans have from time to time had or have been sort of given a bad reputation. And so I think coming in, it was about, you know, what is this team? What does this team mean in terms of how it fuels 
Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. um, what do other people say about us and our fans? Um, and as I said, it's not always bad, but it has been, you know, from time to time in the past. And what we saw was, you know, the way that people think about us and maybe some of the um, visual representations of our brand and our team and our fans weren't accurate anymore. So we had some stereotypes mm -hmm. to shed and we continue to have some stereotypes to shed. Uh, because when you, you know, see our fans, so for example, we were in London, we played the, the Jags in London not long ago, um, and it was really incredible to see, first of all, how many people came to London to be with us at the game, and we had to think through, okay, American football is relatively new to London. Um, how do we use this as an opportunity to create a connection with that community? So community people that might be familiar with the NFL, but they're not necessarily familiar with our brand. Going in with like hard hitting hype videos was probably not the way to do it. Right. And what we decided instead was that we were asking people to not just pick us as their NFL team, but to really connect with us as a brand. So we went this route of comedy and we felt like taking a more sort of fun and comedic approach to uh, London was a better way to mm -hmm. pique curiosity and invite them in to get to know us a little bit better. And mm -hmm. so that was really about showcasing player personalities. Okay. Um, and this was again, done through, how, how was this done? Was this done through video? So fun videos, okay. illustrations, um, some media in the tube locally, but mm -hmm. social was a really important um, sort of component to the whole campaign. We launched a fake tabloid called the Regal Eagle and essentially covered ourselves and all of our activity in London. And we poked some fun at ourselves, but mainly the idea was to say, you know, hey, we don't take ourselves too seriously. There's probably something here for everyone mm -hmm. if you spend enough time um, kind of looking around. And we think that was, you know, sort of the right approach. So how know. did it do? It did well. What are, um, so what so, are some of the metrics sort of in something yeah. like this that then you can say, okay, how do I know how this did? Other than obviously the obvious kind of people sure. liked it. So uh, on a weekly basis, it's fair to say that we get about seven and a half million views of our videos across social platforms. Um, we look at those on a weekly basis, so we'll just do that as the mm -hmm. average. Uh, the videos that we launched that were specifically geared towards London and our kind of Regal Eagle approach um, generated another about five million views. So we felt like, you know, being able to kind of incrementally produce views on top of what we know people were already going to come to us for, you know, for sort of football proper related mm -hmm. content was a good outcome. Yeah. More than 50%, you know, for a, for a first time in. It also offered us a lot of, you know, cost efficiencies. We didn't okay. have to do a ton of outdoor media. Right. We could be very targeted. Um, have you yeah. found that sort of to be the case more and more? I mean, I know you're sort of six months in, but have you found that to be more and more the case with a brand like the Eagles that you don't have to necessarily do the sort of expensive things and you could do kind of these wins that you know, from a pure cost perspective, is not gonna be that much. Is that where it's heading or? I mean, the, the truth is um, social is our most effective means of okay. engaging with our fans on a regular basis. And when you say basis. social, which channel do you find sort of the most bang for your buck? So that's a really good question. Um, the majority of our views come from Facebook. The majority of our engagement comes from Instagram. But people watch more of our video or watch our individual videos for a longer period of time on YouTube, mm -hmm. right? So if you look at the pie, it's very um, sort of disjointed. So mm -hmm. views, 
Facebook and Twitter make up a huge portion of the pie. Then you move to Instagram and Facebook and Twitter shrink right. like significantly. And all of a sudden, you know, Instagram is really punching above its weight. And then when you get to, you know, percentage of, you know, co percentage completion of a video, which is like 86% or better on YouTube. So let's just say for a five minute video on average, uh, people, the watch time on YouTube will be somewhere north of four minutes. And on Facebook, it'll regularly be seven seconds, okay. eight seconds, nine seconds. But often seven. it's the same same piece of content that you're chopping up or are you actually yeah, making? It's a function of the, it's okay. a function of the feed, right? Okay. So this is where kind of native um, platform examination becomes really important. Like mm -hmm. we can't look at social as just one giant like homogenous bucket. We really have to take approaches that are native to that platform if we want to be successful. And that also comes back to, well, which KPI matters? Mm -hmm. You know, oh, good for us. You know, 86% of our views came from Facebook. <laughs> Facebook must be our most important platform. And that's not really the truth at all, especially when, you know, we see much of our content strategy uh, or our brand strategy being led by content. And okay. now I also have this huge delta between the number of people who follow me on Facebook and the number of people who follow me on YouTube. So huh. to me, you know, that's where the huge opportunity lives and, and they're definitely not all created equally. But resources are always going to be a concern. Everybody I talk to is like, well, resources. So you have to figure out at some point, you know, where to kind of spend your time and energy. Yeah. How does that change according to what it is that you're doing? Does that change? Or is that sort of some, is there a direction that you're heading towards that sort of you're seeing, you know, as we head into next year, that that is where I think I need to focus? It does change. I mean, it can change. It changes not even just on the week, but on the initiative. So an example would be um, we have a kind of core set of game day activities that occur you know, during the week and leading up to the game. And that rhythm is going to look pretty much you know, the same, and I'd call it like a baseline. Um, but then we created an original series, so a digital short form series called The Comeback. And it was all focused on our quarterback, Carson Wentz, returning from um, what was a very significant injury that he sustained mm -hmm. last season. And these were, you know, this is the story of him basically rehabbing, and nobody had ever seen this content before. And then, you know, the discussion around how you release something like that became very deliberate in the sense that we didn't want to release an episode week, you know, one, one episode a week. We wanted people to be able to binge it. I wanted to see a 100% completion rate from episode one to mm -hmm. episode five on YouTube. Because that was content. That was something Correct. that you were... You know, and so in that case, knowing that that was the KPI, it was about how do we put a fire hose of activity on this one thing? And so we actually, this is maybe, you know, something from my television past, but it was a bit of um, a test or an experiment, which we do all the time. And it was, was that like, made internally? Internally, yeah. Okay. It was like, let's, let's test exclusivity windows, hmm. right? We're subject to those as consumers all the time. Let's make it exclusive on YouTube mm -hmm. for two days, and let's put all of our kind of um, firepower against those two days and see what kind of, um, you know, what kind of scale we're able to drive, what kind of buzz we're able to drive, interest we're able to drive, and then we can release it everywhere else. And after a certain period of time, we'll have a really good sense of where people decided, you mm -hmm. know, they wanted to uh, consume that content in this way, which was much more serialized at the end of the day than moment-driven, I guess. Right. Um, before we open up to questions, do you only hire Eagles fans? Like, no. How does that work? No. No? You don't have to? Okay. But I'm, if you're I'm a fan curious. of another team, when I'm you come, like, you've got to, like, burn the jersey. Okay. Like, it's done. I'm the minute curious. you want. No, that's a real thing. Yeah. That's a real thing. Oh, We've interviewed people, and they're like, I'm a Seahawks fan. I love the Seahawks. And I'm like, well, 
how are you going to feel about being an Eagles fan, living in Philly? They're like, oh, well, you know, I think it's going to be a great job. We're like, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Oh, yeah. I love it. Got to be all in. Got to be all in. Questions? Hey there. It sounds like you're creating a lot of great content. And I was curious if you're able to connect the content that you're creating to lower funnel conversion. Like, you know, does, does the content you're creating, um, is there, uh, are you trying to drive to ticket sales or merchandise? I'm curious if you found an association or if that's a KPI that you're interested in. That's such a good question. Okay, another champagne problem that we have is that we are not faced with the um, season ticket challenges that many other teams have. We aren't faced with having to dedicate a lot of resources to transactional marketing because we have a very substantial wait list um, for season mm -hmm. tickets. So instead, we have to sort of look ahead and say, what other ways, as, first of all, how do we grow, right? What I feel is that our social footprint is representative, largely the number of fans we have in Philly, but what I know is there are many other folks out there and it's my job to sort of super serve them, right? Should be, I shouldn't see two and a half million followers on Facebook, I should see 10, right? So how do we, how do we sort of close the gap there? And then how do we monetize that? What does that mean? How do I start thinking about going to market and having conversations with sponsors who are um, used to having entitlement discussions or sponsorship discussions that are very traditional to a game day experience, but don't necessarily take into consideration content in a media-driven way. Um, so that is very much where we focus on both the opportunity from a fan growth perspective perspective and then also uh, how we turn that into a revenue opportunity. Quick one over here. Um, I have a couple of questions, but I'll, I'll stick with just one for now. Um, I was wondering if you could touch on the sort of differences and similarities between your like reality TV past mm -hmm. and what's happening now and if you're trying to bring anything over and especially as you're seeing like stuff happening beyond the season. Yeah. how that's developing and yeah. Yeah, all of that. So um, the team I inherited is teaching me sports and I feel in kind, I'm sort of teaching them media and entertainment and they actually work together really beautifully, right? If you think about it in very simple terms, football has a season, TV has a season. Football has, you know, talent, TV has talent, right? And so in as much as we both have seasons, we both have off seasons. So mm -hmm. continuity is important. How do you create continuity, um, you know, in storylines or in a way that doesn't force you as a marketer to take a cold start to a single initiative, which is probably expensive and time consuming and less effective than um, trying to do that in a more kind of contiguous uh, way. And then, you know, from, from media and television, like being able to look at content and think about how it meaningfully hangs together, not even just in theme, but in, you know, across the calendar year, makes it easier to envision how you're gonna sell that content mm -hmm. in a, you know, bucket type format to an advertiser, as opposed to a series of spots and dots, which is always something that media, you know, really, really struggled with. So those things are similar. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you guys so much. Great. Thank you. That's all for this episode. Thank you all for listening. I'm Aditi Sangal. I'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, please head to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a rating and a five-star review.